Good morning. I'm Pastor Sean, and welcome to Mayflower Church on this second Sunday in Advent. We are glad you're here. It's good to see each and every one of you smiling and uh, see your faces here in person. And for those who are joining us virtually as well, welcome. We're glad you're here too. Uh, we have a, a treat this morning. Our very Mayflower's own Reverend Ruth Bell Olson will be opening up the scriptures for us, and we'll look very much looking forward to that in just a bit. But for now, I'd like to invite you to greet one another with a traditional exchange of peace. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us share God's peace. So, sorry, I got to mute myself real quickly. Good morning. So I'm going to do news of the church a little differently this morning because we have so much going on this week and next. So if everyone would pull out their bulletin, we're going to go through it together. And as you're doing that, if you are a visitor here with us today, we would love to meet you and we're going to bribe you to come introduce yourself to us. We have Paul's mom's cookies over at the Welcome Center in the atrium. If you're a visitor, please come over, let us give you a gift, and let us say hello. So, let's start in the bulletin. If you turn to the page that says Welcome at the top, you'll see in the lower slide what our youth group has been up to during Advent. We have Advent Word of the Day. It's a national thing that occurs on Instagram, and our kids have painted paintings to go with every word. So if you'll look in the atrium, you'll see them displayed on the board out there. The next page is advertising our Christmas Eve services and all the other services throughout the month of December. If you turn to the next page on the top, you'll see our Christmas tea that we are having tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Pastor Ruth is going to be sharing with us a short message, and we will have lovely tea and treats. Underneath that is our carol sing, also tomorrow evening. Come and join us. It's our second annual. There are ukuleles and choirs and a jazz band and so many fun things. Bring your Christmas best and come and join us. On the top is the order to remind you to order your poinsettias. In front of you, you will see the envelopes in the pew racks to do that. And underneath that, you will see what our Advent outreach is. We have our reverse Advent calendars that we are collecting food for the pantry at Safe Haven Ministries. You can grab your grocery bag in the atrium after the service. I've been told all the items actually fit into two grocery bags, so you'll have to provide the second bag. Next, if you turn the page, 
Julia is not here, but I'd like to invite you all to come to Embellish, which is next week, and it's an amazing handbell choir that they have a following that follows them all throughout the state. So it's a wonderful event. On the top of the other page are the upgroup events. Please plan on joining those. And on the back of the bulletin is our stewardship update, as well as our strategic planning survey. The QR code is there for you to take that home. Take your bulletins home. Please mark your calendars with all of those exciting events. For our Advent outreach, we have um, the CEO of Safe Haven Ministries, Rachel Verwise, here to say hello and to share a bit about Safe Haven. Good morning. Um, My name is Rachel, and uh, thank you for the invitation to join you and share a little bit about Safe Haven and the opportunity to partner with you during this Advent season. Um, This week, as I was thinking about sharing about Safe Haven and where we have been in this last year and where we're going, um, the word behold struck me. And a few years ago, I was in Dallas at a conference, and I was there actually um, to research human trafficking, and it was at a national conference that this song, Behold, was um, released. And I think the words resonate with how we hold at Safe Haven really this paradox of pain and possibility together every day. And we sit in this space where we know, in the words of the song, it says, "We we are people of many troubles raised up in violence strife and war. We're a people of tears and toil. And I think many of us can say we've experienced that in this last year, both personally and in our community. And yet, we also behold that we are a people who are called home, raised up in mercy, grace, and love. We are a people of life and hope. Safe Haven Ministries often intersects with people in some of their darkest days. We both work to prevent violence in our community and support survivors of both domestic violence and human trafficking. We believe a victim's story. We listen attentively every time a crisis call comes into um, both our phone line and our web and text chat. And we extend kindness in each shelter stay. And I have a notion that this ushers in hope. We are in a season of an epidemic of violence in our community. This year, domestic violence homicides are doubling. Our crisis calls increased 25% over last year. That means we connected with over 2,700 people in our community, and we provided 242 people with shelter stay. Many of those are children who come with a parent. The complexity of violence is not an isolated incident. It affects all of us. It affects our children's lives, our classrooms, our neighborhoods, our places of employment. And that pattern of power and control over someone devastates us. And yet, I hold hope. This invitation that really Jesus invites us to a way that is different than the brokenness. And I think Advent just gives us this opportunity to reflect, right, each week on those different things that Christ does for us. We know now children are engaging in libraries across Grand Rapids with a program that we have through literature to invite them to grow, engage, and read, and imagine. 
this year we announced we would serve victims of human trafficking here in our own community. And since June, we have served 31 people. We've also been able to expand because of partnerships with churches like yours to provide safe transitional housing. We opened up a duplex this summer and have two families living there, as well as a collaborative with AYA Youth Collective where we have four youth housed in safe, comfortable housing. We lament violence and we take intentional steps towards transformational change. We believe our community can be a place where healthy relationships thrive and it's because of partnerships that we have with you. Thank you for walking with us. Thank you for helping our community believe that we can move survivors to a place of thriving. Our mission to prevent abuse and support survivors is possible because of your donations. From a can of corn um, to volunteering, every act of kindness um, is really significant. And so we appreciate the long partnership that you've had to support Safe Haven. Thank you. Good morning. During this Advent reading and candle lighting, please note that we will all speak together the words in bold in your bulletin. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. On this second Sunday in Advent, we begin lighting the joy candle as we wait for the day of God's joy and live in God's hope. By grace he came. In power he rose. We wait for Christ to come again. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for God has looked favorably upon God's people and redeemed them. To save us from our enemies. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us.
be present with us, God, throughout the Advent season as we live and worship in our wait for the one who is the world's light. Let us pray. Merciful God, you sent your prophets as messengers to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation. Lord, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, so that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. During this Advent season, as we all wait together and as we all prepare together, let us confess our sins together as found in your bulletin. Merciful God, always with us, always coming, we confess that we do not know how to prepare for your Advent. We have forgotten how to hope in miracles. 
we have ignored the promise of your kingdom. We get distracted by all the busyness of this season. Forgive us, God. Grant us the simple wonder of the shepherds, the intelligent courage of the Magi, and the patient faith of Mary and Joseph, that we may journey with them to Bethlehem and find the good news of a child born for us. Now, in the quiet of our hearts, we ask you to make us ready for his coming. Amen. Sisters and brothers, we are a forgiven people. Be at peace. You may be seated. I'd like to invite all the children worshiping with us to come forward for the children's message. Good morning. It is so fun to see all of you. So last year, on this Sunday, that was Joy Sunday, I had this same box. And I said to all the kids and everyone out in the pews that what I had in this box would bring joy to everyone. And guess what was inside? There was a puppy, but the puppy was real last year. And I've got to tell you, I was wrong. Puppies don't bring joy. Puppy, that's true. They really don't. Puppies bring happiness. Happiness is something that we experience when we see something that is cute or that we love or that's fun. And that's what puppies are. But this year, I want to talk about what joy is. Joy is something that we have with us that we can carry no matter where we go and no matter what we're doing that can help us through hard times and through hard times. So I have something that brings joy in the box. This is a wallet. And it is just like my dad's wallet when I was a kid. You would open his wallet and there would be money and his driver's license. But he would always have a picture of my brother and I in his wallet. And my dad, this isn't me and my brother, this is Harper and Jackson. But, but my dad would carry our pictures with him everywhere he went. Well, We don't keep pictures in our wallet very much anymore, but guess where we do keep our pictures? Phones. So here I have Mrs. Campanen's phone. Guess who's on the front of Mrs. Campanen's phone? Yeah, her four amazing children. I bet if you go look at your parents' phone and your grandparents' phone, they have your pictures on them. Because that is what brings them joy. So this week, as you meet people, I want you to say, can you pull out your phone and can you show me what it is that brings you joy that you're carrying with you every single day? Will you pray with me, please? Lord, we are so thankful for your love 
and for joy. God, may we always know that if you had a phone, you would have all of our pictures on it, that we would be what brings you joy. May that truth always sit strong in our hearts, no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, if you are, let's start with fifth grade. If you're a fifth grader, will you stand up and you are going to go to the bridge with Mrs. Houlihan? Will you give this back to your mom? If you are a first grader, a second grader, or a third grader, if you will stand up and you're going to go stand next to Mrs. Scott. And you're going to come with me to Bible Alive. And all four and five-year-olds are going to stand up. And we are going to go with Mrs. Orban to Bible Beginnings. The reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11, and can be found beginning on page 688 in your pew Bible. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, There has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. O Holy One, be with us this morning as we seek your heart and seek to know you and love you more fully. Show us the path. Advent joy. Amen. My mother's from Southern California, and every Christmas of my childhood, we would fly across the country to visit my grandmother. Our trips often included dinner at Bernice Ponto's house. Bernice is a dear family friend and an absolutely consummate host. Well, Bernice lived to be well over a hundred. In her later years, she lost her memory. And her exchanges with others relied on two phrases. It's so good to see you. You look beautiful. 
Well, Mayflower, I've been away for several months, and I have two things to say to you. It's so good to see you, and you look beautiful. (laughs) Our Advent theme for this week is joy, and I'm with you today. I'm here tomorrow. I'm here tomorrow night. So my heart is full. Joy abounds. Well, we have an odd lectionary text to wrestle with this morning, and I couldn't be more excited about it. What does a prophet in jail questioning the Messiah have to do with Advent, joy, and our lives here in 2022? Let's find out. We begin with John the Baptist, also known as John the Baptizer, also known as John the Immerser. Immerser. That's a weird word, but I love it. John would not have fit in very well here at Mayflower with our gentle sprinkle baptisms. Oh, no. To be baptized by John meant full immersion in the flowing River Jordan. John does not mess around. So John the Immerser is a strange character in Scripture. He hangs out in the desert. He wears garments made of camel hair. He eats bugs. And he's kind of an all-around radical fellow. There were others at this time in history who also chose to live in the desert and follow a more monastic life. So John wasn't the only one doing this. However, Scripture tells us that John was a true prophet. There was this season of silence, 400 years, that Israel went without a prophet. So then along comes John. We first learn of John's specialness. When Elizabeth becomes miraculously pregnant and John literally leaps in his mother's womb at the voice of Jesus' mother, Mary. It's like John recognizes Jesus in utero. John is the prophet who fulfills Isaiah's prophecy of a voice calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He is going before the Messiah to pave the way for this divine arrival. So when Jesus comes to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, he says, oh, no, no, I need to be baptized by you. Because John keeps pointing others away from himself to the one who comes after me. When John does acquiesce and baptize Jesus, he sees the heavens open up, the spirit of God descend like a dove and say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So I think we can safely assume that John should have had a pretty firm grasp on who Jesus is. Yet, in our passage this morning from Matthew 11, John the Baptist sends his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one we've been expecting? Or are we still waiting? What? Wait, what? Why is he asking that question? How could John, of all people, be confused about this? Well, let's narrow down to two things that are worth mentioning here. First, keep in mind that John the Baptist's message was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Just before John baptizes Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, he tells the gathered crowd, I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he'll clear the threshing floor. We'll gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. John is intense. And his message is one of judgment and repentance. And he preaches that a new kingdom and a new ruler are coming. And keep in mind, the Jews are under Roman occupation. 
So these statements have immediate connotation. Judgment is coming. The wrongs are going to be righted. Second, John is in prison at the hands of a madman, Herod Antipas, whose actions he has condemned. So Herod married his sister-in-law, real messy story, and it's a violation of the Torah, the Jewish law. So John happens to point that out to Herod, at which point, of course, Herod has him arrested and chains him in the dungeon of Machaerus, a fortress by the lifeless Dead Sea. So we can assume, of course, that things are looking kind of bleak for John. When life is particularly hard, we have a tendency to question God, don't we? Perhaps John is revealing his humanity in difficult circumstances. John has given his life to preparing the way for the Messiah, and he finds himself stuck in a dungeon awaiting execution. Meanwhile, Jesus is all over healing people, giving sermons, casting out demons, having banquets with tax collectors. So apparently, the story of a Messiah, a new kingdom, and a new ruler is not exactly unfolding as John had envisioned. Which might be where John's question comes from. Is there a different Messiah that John is preparing the way for? Across the Dead Sea from Acherus, at the time of Christ, was a Jewish monastic community called Qumran. They left behind a bunch of scrolls called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Perhaps you've heard of them. They were discovered in the 1940s, and they indicate a belief at the time that there are two messiahs, a teacher of righteousness and a Davidic messiah. Oodles of rabbinic literature also suggest this idea of two messiahs, a suffering servant and a victorious king. One suffers for Israel's sins and dies while fighting for Israel's redemption, the other one comes after and completes the prophecies that point to a Messiah of victory and salvation. A priestly Messiah and a kingly one. A redeemer and a ruler. One follows the other. So perhaps the community of Jews in Qumran influenced John. We know that John spent his formative years in the Judean desert and monastic alternative communities existed there even beyond Qumran. Perhaps John's question reflects this idea that there is a Messiah that comes first and another that comes later. Hence, he asks, are we still waiting? Jesus, which Messiah are you? A fiery, judgmental, victorious one? Or healing, saving, empowering one? Perhaps this is a question for all of us. Jesus responds to the question posed by John's disciples. Go back and tell John what's going on. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. The wretched of the earth learn that God is on their side. Is this what you are expecting? Count yourself blessed. Does Jesus answer the question? I don't think we as modern Christians understand that all of this dialogue is steeped in Jewish tradition. There are so many influences and details that we just miss with our Western mindset. The crowds gather around both John and Jesus at the time were largely Jewish. And in the culture, they had the, they had the scriptures memorized. 
So if you go in our, in our sanctuary, in our library, we have so many copies of the Bible. But in the ancient world, scrolls were cherished and rare. So the scriptures were memorized from a very early age, word for word. It was not unusual for religious Jews to have entire books committed to memory. So Jesus' response to John's disciples is a direct reference, a direct quote of the prophet Isaiah. His words would have been immediately recognized as such. He states in his response that he will bring the final redemption. This is the kind of Messiah he is. Jesus is in action. The proof is in the action. God's reign is one marked by, by the reversal of pain, sorrow, despair, spiritual dissonance. This is a participatory engagement. One writer puts it this way. Jesus' answer demands much of John. He asks John to stretch his understanding to fit a very different Messiah than the one whom he expected. I will pose this question again. Was John looking for a different Messiah? Are we? Jesus did not come to gain earthly power, prestige, etc. He came to serve and bring life to those on the margins. And what about us here in 2022? Do we seek power or service? John the Immerser was eager for a Messiah to come and right all the wrongs that had been done to the Jewish people. In his darkest hour, he questions this identity of Christ. John is human. I can relate to this. Don't we all want to win? I'm the parent of a middle school basketball player, and I can attest to the fact that I get very fired up, and I want victory on that court for my son and his teammates. I want the bad refs disqualified and the kids who foul too much to be taken off the court. I want justice, and I want victory. Perhaps you know of what I speak. But what about the kind of Jesus we want here today, a victorious one, a humble one? The idea of two messiahs is alive and well in our current culture. For example, Christian nationalism has an ugly hold on our country. Perhaps you have seen those images of a white Jesus, problem number one, Jesus is a man of color, a white Jesus wrapped in an American flag holding an AR-15 rifle. Folks, that is not the Messiah. That is not Jesus. How about Christians who say things like, I'm a Christian and I have rights. Can we be a people instead who simply serve the least of these in the name of Christ? But back to our text. As John's disciples are heading back to the dungeon with Jesus' response, Jesus turns to the crowd and affirms John's role in preparing the way. He affirms him as a prophet. But verse 11 sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? When Jesus says, There has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Kind of sounds like a slam on John. Perhaps this has something to do with one Messiah, verses 2. Is Jesus a priest or a king, a redeemer or a ruler? The multiple choice answer is D, all of the above. Jesus is all of these. Followers of the Messiah, Jesus, have the glorious revelation 
that Jesus is the promised Messiah. There are not two, but one who comes two times. John the Immerser did not live to see Jesus' ministry unfold. He was brutally executed. But his role was fulfilled. He prepared the way, and then he got out of the way. Perhaps in John's pain and fear, he was waiting for a different Messiah. We don't know that for sure. But Christ affirms John and his place in the story. But there's something missing. John did not live to see the fruition of the ministry of Jesus. John did not hear Jesus' promise of resurrection and return. But we have. We know that Jesus died and rose again, conquering death. We are living on the other side of resurrection. As part of the body of Christ, we get to participate in this ongoing work of the Spirit every day. We live in the Messianic age. And it is a new age. God's Spirit is poured out on all. We get to be the prophets of the Messianic age. I would think that this news would immerse you with joy. As we sit in this Advent space of waiting, we can experience great joy. Joy that there is one Messiah, one Christ, that we get to know and love, worship, and celebrate. And as we serve those around us, as we diligently do all we can to help the blind to see, the lame to walk, to share with those who are hopeless that God is on their side, we get to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. We are blessed. What we do reveals what we believe. What we do reveals which Messiah we worship. Where do we see this creative power of God at work among the suffering in the world? Where do we find ourselves to be instruments of God's creative power? How are we engaged in the healing, reconciling, hope-generating work of the Spirit? Mayflower, are we seekers of power or service? In the words of Episcopal priest Natombe Naomi Tutu, the daughter of Bishop Tutu, our faith has never been about those who are most popular and those who preach prosperity. It has been about the communities faithfully modeling a way of being in the world, of being in relationship with each other and with the prisoner and the hungry and those who suffer that safe haven serves. It has been about voices reminding us that living God's love looks like our daily experiences. May we, prophets of the Messianic age, immersed in the joy of knowing Jesus, may we faithfully model a way of being in the world that transforms us and those we encounter. In the name of the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit, amen.
In your bulletin, you'll find the words for the Apostles' Creed. Let us speak together these great truths of the Christian faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, under Pontius, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into the dead. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. As our ushers come forward, we now bring our gifts and offerings to the Lord with joyful, overflowing hearts out of generosity for what God has done to us.
You may be seated. We now come to the Lord's table. And here at Mayflower, so many of us come from different Christian backgrounds and denominations and traditions. All followers of Jesus Christ, no matter your denominational background or tradition, are welcome to this table. We praise God Almighty, who feeds the hungry, who raises the poor, and who fills our praise. Jesus truly is Emmanuel, God with us. In this season of joy, may this meal we share together nourish us to be his hands and feet in a world of darkness. And may the Holy Spirit point our hearts to Jesus Christ as we come to the Lord's table. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This is a new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you in the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. Sisters and brothers, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ has died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. By way of instruction, I should let you know that all of our bread is gluten-free this Sunday. And as you come forward, you may partake up front here, or you may take the elements to your seat and partake in your own time. I'd like to ask our communion servers to come forward now, and then our ushers. All who are willing are welcome to this feast. body of Christ broken for you.
As our Savior taught us, we will now all pray the Lord's Prayer together, as you will see in your bulletin. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen.
A benediction is both a challenge and a blessing. So I offer these words. May you recognize the desire inside of you for a victorious Messiah. May you settle in your spirit that the one true Messiah is both a suffering servant and the ultimate redeemer. May you actively pursue the redemption, reconciliation, and restoration of a broken world by serving those on the margins. And may this bring you unspeakable joy. May you glow with this joy as you celebrate the birth of Christ this Advent. And may you go forth from this place in peace. Amen. To wherever God has called you this week, go in joy. We wait in joy. The Christ is coming. Thanks be to God.